Welcome to the Youth School Podcast, where we believe inside of everybody there is a great story waiting to be discovered and lived. This is the show where we guide you on your journey in discovering what your story could be. It's your life. Don't let anybody else write it. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Schimmel. They call me the chief guide of the U-School. And uh, I'm excited for this episode. This is, I think, the second time we've had a real-life veteran on the U-School podcast. And uh, I'm especially excited uh, because I really like her, um, but also because of the theme. The theme of this month, the theme of the content that we're uh, creating this month is, is called Pick a Fight. And who better to talk about fighting than someone from the military? I know that's obviously like a bad stereotype, and we'll probably get into that, how offensive I am towards the military. In a few <laughs> but um, here, we're on with, uh, do you want to be called Danielle or Danny? I like Danny. All right, I let's go. <laughs> Danny Gilbert, a uh, uh, big member of Team Rubicon, a new U-School guide, which we'll talk about towards the end. But Danny, welcome to the podcast, and what I'd love for you to do is introduce uh, the listeners to you, uh, talk a little bit about your story, and, and what I'm most curious about is how you came or why you went into the military. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Um, I, so I'm from a really small town in Connecticut. Um, it's called New Hartford. It was probably like five or 6,000 people. <laughs> wow. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, but I loved school growing up. I. I was like a straight A student and really enjoyed school, but I didn't really, I wasn't ready for college. Like <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to study and I wasn't sure, like I felt I didn't want to be the type of student to go in and change majors and waste all this money mm-hmm. because my family didn't have a lot of money. I wouldn't say we were poor, but I wasn't, I didn't know how we were going to pay for college, mm. frankly. And so, and when I was a senior, an army recruiter found me and I started talking to him and it just seemed like a win-win. I was like, well, I'm not ready for college huh. and this is a great opportunity and I can, I, I'm kind of adventure seeking or I like to explore. So, I was, so I saw the army as a way to buy me some time. Okay. buy me college <laughs> yeah. and give me some ad- adventures. You know, I was like, Oh, I'll travel the world. Uh, you know, huh. I bought the brochure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Were um, you patriotic? Did you, I, did you come from a military family? Was that, did you have that? Is that, is that strong know, in Connecticut? I think that there's a lot of support for veterans in the new England area. There's like a lot of appreciation for it. Hmm. Um, my, my parents weren't in the service. I didn't know anybody. I, I had a cousin. Um, who I think sadly she's passed away from, from brain cancer, but she was in the national guard and she was the only real veteran I knew. Like Mm -hmm. she, but I remember talking to her and said she used the national guard. This was before nine 11. So she was a big proponent. We were in a, you know, peaceful time, Mm -hmm. relatively speaking. Mm -hmm. And it was a great deal to go into the army and get education Mm. um, and get some service experience. So she was, she loved it. And I was like, well, that's cool. So I think that that definitely influenced my decision. Mm. Um, I had a grandfather who was in the Marines for six months and he got into a bar fight. Cause I, I didn't even know this. He didn't talk much. My yeah. grandfather did not talk much at all, but uh, to, to us anyway, it was just like a very formal grandparent grandchild uh-huh. uh, relationship. But I noticed a tattoo on his arm of the Marines. And mm. I was like, Hey, you know, what is that? And he's like, Oh, I was, that's, 
from when I was in the Marine Corps. I was like, you were in the Marine Corps? He's like, mm. well, for six months. Then he got clocked in the head in a bar fight. It made him partially deaf. Wow. Um, and he got discharged medically. So he never, and I think he was sad about it that he never mm. had the opportunity to be in the Marines mm-hmm. when he was, you know, he just joined. But that was the extent of anyone I really knew in the military. <laughs> that so was did, it. Did you I, go I had, straight from high school graduation to, were, were you a Marine? I did. Uh, I was in the Army. Uh-huh. Um, I was actually, this is funny, but you know how everybody has their like um, little box of things they want to keep and remember their, yeah. I don't know, yeah. nostalgia box? Uh-huh. I was digging through it. I mean, having moved, you always go through your stuff and move and stuff. And I, I, I dug through it before uh, my recent move and I found... Uh, a journal I kept when I was a senior in high school, which is mm. kind of amazing. Yeah. Uh, and oddly enough, like I, I joined only in months after 9-11 happened. I joined in like, I think October, November, I joined the delayed entry program, October, November, 2001. So wow. the funny thing about the journal when I look at it is how compartmentalized everything was. Like on the one hand, I was profoundly affected by the event. Huh. And on the other hand, I did not link like, oh, I'm going to do something about this tragedy. I kind of knew, like, I definitely mm-hmm. knew I was going to Iraq, okay. but I didn't have a sense of like, I need, because some people did, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, some people did feel that they need to do something about it. But I think yep. maybe this is just a glimpse into what it's like to be 19 <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> is yeah. that you're not connecting yeah. things. Right. Maybe you're just not connecting things the way a, a really reflecting adult would. Yeah. And I, on the one hand was like, uh, this happened and then like like two entries later i'm like oh you're an army like no connection there like that's, i'm not even gonna bring up that's funny <laughs> yeah yeah it's just interesting um but by and large i think i chose it because it it answered the big questions i had to face as a teenager like what are you gonna do with your life like mm. where are you gonna go yeah what college what are you gonna study i love school but i didn't have like a subject yeah. And I didn't want to like be something. I didn't know what I wanted to be. So <laughs> can you remember what it was like so to in tell a way, I think that's what of yours and family members that you're going into the army? Do you remember what it was like? Did you feel proud? Oh, Did yeah. you feel, what was it? Well, for one thing, and I don't recommend this. <laughs> <laughs> I was 19. I was 19. So I stayed back in kindergarten. It was like, I guess a common practice then okay. <laughs> um, where I was from just to kind of like get yeah. people more, I, I don't know why we, why they did that more often, but I stay back. So my brother and I were actually, I have a younger brother. So we were one grade apart. Um, and I, because I was a legal adult, I didn't ask my parents, you know, mm. for permission. I just, I went and signed up. Like mm. my dad was so angry. <laughs> really? Like he was very upset with me. Yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine now. Like yeah. now I see it. I think 19 year old me didn't see how upset that made my parents like yeah. that this was dangerous. Yeah. And because he connected the dots. And that they had no control. <laughs> he recognized yeah. the trajectory. And they watch the news. They know there's a right. war going on. Like they knew this is. Yeah. Yeah. So he was really upset. He didn't mm. want me to leave. Um, I, I frankly, I don't think my parents were. They, my dad said when I was deployed to Iraq, he didn't sleep for a year. <laughs> he's like, he's wow. like, we just didn't sleep. Like, wow. Um, and I felt really bad for putting them through that. Mm. Um, I guess I wasn't really thinking, I think that might be part of being young is you don't really think about the other influence, the other things that happen as a result of your decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
I don't regret my choices, but looking back, I was like, wow, I, I can't believe I did that without like really talking to my parents about it first and mm-hmm. exploring a lot of other options. I never even talked to another service recruiter. Really? Like I was just like, boom, I'm doing this. Yeah. That guy was good. Yeah. And yeah. Was- <laughs> and I was just all, he was really good. And, <laughs> and, and I actually found a little posse. Like when you join in the, in, if you're still in high school and you join the service, I think it's still this way. There is something called delayed entry. Okay. So you can, so you kind of like, they teach you the basics of the military before you actually go in. They're like, here, mm-hmm. learn the phonetic alphabet. And here's mm-hmm. what ranks are. And we're going to go for a run on Saturday. And okay. I found a little team. There were like two other guys in my hmm. town that decided to join too. Yeah. So like we would go and lift weights together. We'd go oh. run around the bowling alley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. We didn't have a lot of places to run, I guess. Yeah. We ran around the bowling alley. Uh, <laughs> but I... I was really, I got, the more I was involved with them, the more I got excited about what I was about to do because it just Mm. felt like, wow, like I was very scared, but I was very proud of myself. I think my teachers were very disappointed. Like I was a straight A student and they were like, what the heck? Why would you, I I think Mm. for them, for most of them, it was like, this is beneath you. Like you could do so much better than this. Yeah. So that was tough. My friends were very upset hmm. too. <laughs> um, they supported me. Well, they were sad that I was leaving and I was okay. leaving before all of them. Like they got to enjoy their summer and start school in the fall. Mm-hmm. And I left like, I left like the same month of our, gra- or the month after our graduation, maybe. Yeah. And so part of it was just, I was leaving first. I think I never really talked to them about what they thought about it. I, yeah, no. <laughs> I guess I didn't. Yeah, it's probably can I can imagine it's being sort of confusing for them, and yeah. probably just brought up feelings for them that they didn't know what to do with. Yeah, like two of my best friends actually came to my house the day the recruiter picked me up to go to the to go get sworn in and leave. They they stayed with my family and like it was really a sad moment. We still mm. I'm still friends with them today. We still talk about it. How like they came to my house. They were in my bedroom with a little window looking out into over the driveway. Mm. And as I left, they were like in the window, like crying and saying goodbye. Oh and like my mom cried. It was so dramatic. And wow. it was so unusual because my life was not dramatic. And that and I remember <laughs> seeing my mom cry, really. Wow. And she hugged me with like the grip of death, like wow. crying. And I felt like, yeah, it was a big it's moment. It's like a movie scene. Um, it was a movie scene. And the same thing we talk about it now more than anything is that after that happened, I don't know what happened after it. I left. Yeah. They're like, yeah, your mom made us sandwiches. <laughs> I was like, of course she did. Your mom kept being a mom. <laughs> yeah, they're <was> so sweet. <laughs> what do you, I don't know if you have thought about this, but what, you made this huge, risky, courageous, uh, obviously life-altering decision. How, how did that impact you? Uh, wow, that's a big question. Um, you mean now or then? I don't know. Like after, I think, I mean, it's still, I'm still feeling the effects of that decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 35. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah. definitely, it, it steered the course of my entire life. Hmm. Um, there was definitely a moment after I enlisted that I, you know, they call it buyer's remorse. You know, you yeah. buy a house, you're like, oh my yeah. God, I just signed up for like all this debt. Right. I felt the same way. I'm like, oh my God, I'm stuck in this for yeah. four years. Like. <laughs> what am I going to do? Time like was a different scale when I was in the military. Mm. Like I was, 
it was such a struggle for me. Like basic training, you're counting days till you're done. Uh-huh. And then when you get to your garrison, it's like, oh my God, we're going to deploy in X number of days. And then uh-huh. deployment, you're like, this will be over in X number. They always <laughs> say like, you know, 52 days and a wake up. Like yeah. everybody wants out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody's like, this is terrible. We're counting it down. Um, I cannot even, like, it's hard to even remember that. But because now, I mean, now I enjoy every day. Hmm. I'm not counting days, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was totally different. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, though, it shaped my character in, in a lot of positive ways. Like going through something like the military. What, uh, how do I want to say this? Like you, you're signing up to suffer. <laughs> Like you're getting up mm. at five o'clock every day and running, doing push-ups. It whether it's cold or hot out, you know, yeah. you have no real control over what's happening to you. You just have to do it. The mm. thing that always got me through it was that other people were there with me. And yeah. I was a I was not a good runner. Really? Like I'm short. Yeah. So I was great at push-ups, because I don't have to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> and uh my sit-ups were fine, but I was always like struggling with the run because being short, you know, my stride was Less and a lot of times mm-hmm. on ruck marches, you have to carry weight, and the weight's the same no matter like how much, yeah. how big or little you are. You know, thirty yeah. pounds is thirty pounds. So percentage wise, mm-hmm. I'm working way harder than right. you know the six foot two guy. Right. <laughs> so I always struggled, and I was always at the back of the formation lines, and I always thought like just try not to be last, just try to stick with it, just try to be there. And like I think over and over having that stuff drilled into like just get through this, you're not alone. That type of mentality still, I can still fall back on that when things get hard now. I'm like, I'm not alone. Mm. Like someone else has been through this or I know that this will end. (laughs) Things come to an end when they get bad. So Hmm. I think had I maybe chosen an easier path, not that any, I mean, everybody chooses their own path. But for me, that was very challenging. I had my own struggles and going through that made me a lot more resilient, like At least when it comes to when you don't have control over the external things in your life. <laughs> yeah. Do you still keep that life motto? Try not to be last. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, definitely. Last. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely said that before. Just don't be last. <laughs> what is, so you were, I'm so curious about your deployment. I, not necessarily the details, although that could be a whole nother episode, but. Um, to just tell us a little bit, a little snapshot into what deployment was like for you. Yeah. Um, I, so when I joined the military, I, like I said, I got straight A's. So I took the military test and I did very well. So they suggested that I go into military intelligence, mm. um, which I was super stoked about. They're like, you'll have a clearance. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be James Bond. Yeah. I was like a big James Bond fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> I watched G.I. Jane like on repeat. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be a secret agent. Um, <laughs> it sounded pretty cool at the time. Um, but the funny thing about intelligence is like all the sexy things that people think of with war. I mean, war is terrible. Let's face it. It's, mm. not, it's not sexy. Mm. But it can get branded like, I'm a badass. I've got a machine gun. I'm going out in the front lines. Like that was not my experience because mm. our job was to like inform the infantry of where to be. Mm. I, I had a really, I had a really tough time with my deployment because most of it was sitting on the base, <laughs> a base that like we were getting mortared every single day. Wow. Um, Cause it was a logistics hub in, uh, in Iraq. 
And so it was obviously it was a very valuable place. <laughs> a yeah. lot of yeah. a lot of all of our supplies and stuff. So um I just felt like a sitting duck for the whole time. Wow. And what made it kind of worse was I deployed in two thousand end of two thousand four through two thousand five. Mm-hmm. So this was like the beginning of the Iraq war kind of. Mm-hmm. Um and so I would say the army's thing is the army's thing is they just they just bring the troops overseas just get get the units over there hmm. <laughs> and um I think what happened with my unit was there really was no we didn't really have a a, a mission <laughs> we were there to deploy we were co-located with the air force hmm. and our stuff was like in the same spot as the air force and we were like almost duplicative it was like all right what are we what are we doing here so I think one of my <laughs> The funniest thing about it is the struggle in my deployment was why the heck am I here? Mm. Like, what are we really, what are we really doing? Yeah. Um, and I thought I was alone in this experience um, of just like feeling kind of useless. Like yep. everyone paints veterans as like, you went over and you did something. I'm like, I don't feel like I did anything. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> um, I don't feel like I really contributed to any effort whatsoever. Um, and I think the thing is, I vol- so I volunteer with Team Rubicon. That's yeah. how you and I met. Yep. And so I, I was lucky enough to meet a lot of other veterans um, from all kinds of different units, branches of service, yeah. and different eras of conflict. And then I, I kind of realized in that was, I'm not alone. There were a lot of people that aren't particularly proud of their service. Mm. Um, we're not all bronze stars. Yeah. <laughs> we're not all like, I mean... Thank God I'm not a purple heart. Thank God these things didn't happen to me. But there's a level of guilt. There's a level of guilt of like, I didn't get hurt. No one I knew died. Um, I didn't see a lot of trauma or tragedy because, well, I I shouldn't have. I was was in the headquarters. I was not out front. Right. Um, So there's a level of guilt when you do meet. Yeah, is that confusing? Like, So you're at a baseball game, let's say and they invite all the veterans to stand up. How does that strike you? I don't want to. And I usually don't unless someone next to me is like, you should stand up, do it. Right. And like, I, I don't like it. Um, do I appreciate that they honor veterans? Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think it's taken me some time to be proud of my service because I think I'm, I came around to the fact that, okay, I didn't see anything traumatic. I maybe didn't contribute anything, but you know, I went and did it hmm. and I was there. So I should just be proud of the fact that I did those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were willing. You would have done it. You would have. I would have done it. Right. That's there really was, interesting. There was, oh, sorry. No, no, <laughs> I, I, no, keep going. That, I mean, that, that's just really interesting. Cause I'm not, I'm on the outside looking in and, Reminds me of my father-in-law who was uh, in the Navy during Vietnam, but his, his role was to be a lifeguard at one of the stations in Japan. And huh. um, I've never really talked about it, but it's, you hear someone being in Vietnam, that's a different, you have to have a different mental picture than, yeah. than the lifeguard at the base. <laughs> well, I think a couple of things happened to me too. Like I remember like this just came to me, but there was definitely one very poignant moment during my deployment where we were traveling from Baghdad up to Balad on the road. 
Mm. It was our, just like, just to get to where we needed to be. And mm-hmm. they travel, we travel in convoys. I was in the back of a Humvee. I had my M16. They told us to put our guns out, like facing the roads and the okay. sides because you had to protect against an ambush. Okay. So I was doing that. And we were basically just on a regular road that the Iraqis used. Huh. <laughs> you know, like, this would just be like your main highway. Like I'm going to the grocery store. Yeah. And I remembered a moment like being out, being on the back of the Humvee, my M60 was pointed at this, like just this old lady, like in a uh, car. And I was thinking, Oh my gosh, like what am I doing? It, was, it wasn't until like you, you can really separate training from reality. Very easy. Yeah. But I think it was that moment where I was like, Oh my God, did I just sign up to kill people? Like, I don't want to wow. kill people. Wow. Like, I don't want to do this. Wow. And it really was the moment where I was just like, for a while I was in the mode of like, just don't die. Yeah. And then at that moment I was like, am I really, am I really doing this? Like, I don't want to do this. Wow. Um, and it wasn't until then that I was like, what am I doing? Like, mm. <laughs> what am I doing here? Um, it took me a while to unpack that. <laughs> yeah. What a moment. Yeah. <laughs> what? Okay. So fast forward a little bit to, uh, your transition why why did you get out what was that like how did you experience transition yeah I gave that a lot of thought uh my transition because I and Tim Ruber got me talking about it a lot how it's difficult to get out of the military and go into civilian life mm-hmm. I think what was maybe a little different about my experience and maybe other people experience this too is it didn't happen the minute I got out of the like the army <laughs> I got out of the army in 2008 um, I was in mm. Florida and I was trying to actually extend because I, I enjoyed being in Tampa. I enjoyed the work at Central Command because I was actually like doing intelligence that did link to a mission. I was like, oh, okay, well, this is more useful than what I did mm. in my tactical unit. Yeah. So I was starting to really enjoy my job and I was like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. I like what we're doing, but they didn't have any positions. And if I extended, I was essentially going to be sent overseas again to another deployment. And I was like, I cannot, Mm. I just can't, (laughs) I can't do this. So I left the service and I got, I finally got a job. So I moved out of state to DC to go do intelligence for the government, for other intelligence agencies. Um, And I think that moving from the army to, to government work to the department of defense was just barely a transition at all. It was like a lot of the same. Mm-hmm. Some of it was different. Certainly working with civilians was different, but yeah. it kind of prolonged my, it kind of prolonged my shedding of the veteran or it really, yeah, it kind of prolonged my whole, like having to deal with the fact that I had this veteran identity that I haven't really unpacked. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like still continuing service, um, still having a mission. Yeah. And, and, and I will say another thing that, delayed it was I so I'm gay mm-hmm. and I didn't know it until I was already a year into my service of the military hmm. at a time where it wasn't even allowed yeah so I realized that I was gay and a lot of people ask me like how did you not know like how did you not know you were gay and I was just like well <laughs> that's uh, a whole other series of podcasts <laughs> well it is and it isn't because like it makes me think of you school because it's like I didn't do any, like, I didn't look into my own, I didn't, I just accepted the identity that society placed. Like, these are your options. Like, this is what you are. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really challenge that because I took the identity that everybody said I was. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what happened was 
uh, I, when I got out of the military, what I was really dealing with at that time was, uh, do I, am I out to people at work? Am I not? How do I do this? Like, mm. I don't have okay. to be a closeted person anymore. So yeah. I didn't actually transition out of the military till like five years after that. Huh. And I think it was when I found, when I found team Rubicon, I was like, Oh, right. I'm a veteran. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even, I would never have even called myself a veteran. Really? Frankly, I never, I never did. No, I didn't even call myself a veteran. Huh. It wasn't until I found Team Rubicon. I'm like, Oh, I'm a veteran. Like I'm a part of this kind of this community. Um, and I don't know if anybody else experienced that, but it was like, I never saw myself as a veteran. <laughs> wow. Uh, so I think in just identifying that I was one was a step in and of itself. <laughs> and it took a long time just to get to that. How did you find Team Rubicon? What, what were you looking for? Like, how did that happen? Well, I, I was feeling an urge to volunteer for many years, but I couldn't, I was looking online and I couldn't really find anything or I, I didn't know how to get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Jenna from, she was my best friend from high school. She was the, one of the girls in the window crying when I left. Um, <laughs> she was. Still crying. Uh, Jenna's still. Up. Still, still, and you know what's funny? We're still best friends. It's like crazy cool. even as an adult. We used to always be like, are we still going to be friends? Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I hope so. <laughs> you never know what life's going to, this is before Facebook, you know, when you yeah, were like right, scared right. you wouldn't ever see people again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, will we see each other again? Maybe not. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So she's a nurse in Philadelphia. And when Hurricane Sandy happened, she wanted to go and help. So she went to the the areas in New Jersey, I think, Hmm. um, to go help. And she was like, she saw the team river company. And she's like, what can I do? And they said, we could use help. We we need food. So she helped arrange that. And then she got involved with them. And she's still a member. Now she's like, incredible. (laughs) She's deployed internationally with them and and medical missions. So when I, so when I moved to DC, her and I linked up again and we're like, Oh my gosh, let's hang out. We met Mm -hmm. in Baltimore and she started telling me about this. I'm like, yeah, I saw you on Facebook. You're like in Oklahoma cleaning up tornado debris. Like, who are you? Like, what is this? (laughs) Oddly enough, oddly enough, she's like, well, you should go and try it. Like you're a veteran. I'm not even a veteran. I'm like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) So, um, I I went back to Virginia and immediately like found an event and that's how I started. And it's, it really has, it's transformed my life. Like I didn't even know these types of opportunities existed. (laughs) How has it transformed your life? What do you mean? Well, for one thing, it grew my social, like one thing that I think I struggled with was finding friends outside of work. Um, and when I met the people in Team Rubicon, it was like, oh, I know you. Like, you, you could have easily been someone I was deployed with. We speak mm. the same language. Our, our job at that point was we were on like a, um, a private, it's called Boulder Crest. It was like a retreat owned by um, a private citizen who donated all his land to like make a, uh, like a retreat for wounded veterans. Wow. And they asked us to build a hiking trail, like a, a trail along a, a river, like okay. a creek bed. And so we, for two days, we were supposed to like clear brush and make this trail. Huh. I'm like, there's no way we're going to do this. Like, this yep. is crazy long. Like, we can't do this. <laughs> and the first day, like, we're all getting to work. And I have my army boots on. I even wore like my army. I didn't have stuff. I wore like my army PT shirt just to like prove like I was military. If you're questioning <laughs> it, um, which is just silly. Like, they gave me a shirt. They're like, here, whatever. Yeah. Um, but 
once we got to work and we started doing that, I was like, oh man, I remember what it's like to be on like a part of a, a team again. Mm. These were the things about, I had, I think what really changed for me that day was I wasn't proud of my military service. And mm. I didn't really see a lot of redeeming qualities about the military at the time. I yeah. was just like, yep, that happened. It was a really crappy part of my life. Like, yeah, I was like outed halfway through and scared I was going to get kicked out. There was a whole, wow. there was a lot of drama. Wow. I'm lucky I was honorably discharged. Um, and so I kind of pushed that whole experience aside. I was like, that was crap. I, I don't, I'm not proud of it. Let's not think about it put all my stuff in storage. Like, I don't want to see the uniforms again. Mm. And then when I went on the team Rubicon, um, when we did that, when we helped people, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, veterans help people. And all these, all this work and this common language and this team teamwork, I was like, Oh, this is, this is a good side of the military. Like I hadn't seen it. Mm. And, and it totally transformed the way I thought about veterans. I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) veterans have a lot to offer society. And it's amazing that in two days we did, we did clear the whole trail, like no problem. Yeah. I didn't think we could do it. Yeah. And it was like an incredible feeling to have achieved something, especially Mm. coming from like my experience where in the military, we didn't, uh, to me, it didn't feel like we achieved anything. And I was like, well, this is totally different. Redemptive. So it, yeah, it changed the way I viewed veterans. And then I made friends that day that to this day are like some of my closest friends. Huh. Like we go on vacation together every year. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was very bonding. And it was like, wow, this is, life doesn't have to be so lonely. Mm. And I think when I did get out of the military and I was like not, and I was just doing my government job, mm-hmm. I was lonely. I mean, yeah. I had a partner, but she wasn't a veteran. She didn't okay. want to talk about the military. Frankly, I don't think she really cared much for the military. And mm-hmm. And I know there's lots of people who are like, it's, it's understandable, like, mm-hmm. but I didn't have anywhere to talk about it. Yeah. And at work, at work and working for the Department of Defense, I could like talk about it casually, like if it related to something or mm-hmm. maybe someone might ask me about it. Mm-hmm. But for by and large, I just put it all away. Um, mm. So it wasn't until I joined Team Rubicon that I was like, oh man, I have people I can talk to about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, so you've, you, you were part of the Clay Hunt Fellows Program and participated yeah. in school. Maybe yeah. just give us an insight of what that season meant to you. Well, I didn't know. I, I, I applied for the Clay Hunt Fellows Program because I thought, oh, you know, I do intelligence. They actually have kind of an intelligence, like they use mapping to help plan out how they respond to disasters. Mm. I think I could be of help. I might have some skills here that are useful for Team Rubicon. Mm-hmm. So I joined with all these preconceived notions of like, I can do this and maybe I'll build this training or I'll learn like this software and mm. I'll do that. And then like on day one, they're like, yeah, whatever project you had, just put it aside. Like <laughs> we aren't going to do that right now. And like half of the year was leadership development U school strength finder. Yeah. And I had never, I had done Myers Briggs, I think once uh-huh. um, for my job. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I was like, what is all of it? I don't, I don't know how to do this. Like we're just talking about ourselves for six months. This mm-hmm. is crazy. <laughs> uh, so I kind of got a curveball there that I didn't expect. Um, 
and none of us had ever heard of use cool. We didn't know what it was. We were just told that they were going to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I was like, well, we'll see like how this goes. And I will say, I think almost everyone in my cohort was skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> of you yeah. school, we're like, yeah, okay, well, uh-huh. let's just do this. <laughs> I guess we'll do it, you know? Um, so I had zero expectations of the program, but I think the funny thing is I went through the curriculum and each week, you know, I learned a little bit more like the questions in you school are very difficult to answer, even though they're simple to ask, <laughs> mm. like talk about your past. <laughs> you're like, okay, fine. And then you're right. like, wait, how do I even begin? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but yeah, I mean, and and what really happened in the program was, so you have swim. We had swim buddies. Uh-huh. Um, and so it was great to, I think, like Team Rubicon, we had we had a little team built in, and we had a safe emotional space. Huh. And I don't know that there are many times in my life that I felt comfortable to like talk about my struggles mm-hmm. um, where I, where I knew it was safe. Like even in my job, I, I would never have said that even with my partner at the time I mm. was, if I shared vulnerabilities is like, maybe they could be used against me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think it was really for me, it was one of the first times that I could be emotionally vulnerable and, and I, and I experienced the benefits of, of sharing those things with another person. Um, I think after going through the entire program, I, if I learned anything from it, it was how important it is to be vulnerable and be honest with your emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the youth school program really highlighted the problem areas in my life. Hmm. I, sorry I think about that. it's funny. You can, <laughs> you can, no, I think it's, don't be sorry because you know, like I think a lot of people don't even know they're unhappy. Hmm. But just my hypothesis. Yeah. But I think that if you like, I think if you've been happy and maybe then you're not happy, then you know, yeah. but if you've never really been happy, if you've never really <laughs> been living your dreams or doing what you want to yeah. do, like, how do you know what you're missing? If you're kind unhappy of and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> but you don't know it. So yeah, it's, so this is ridiculous, but my girlfriend and I went to Cuba um, last month. Yeah. Was it this month? It was a few weeks ago. Yeah. And, and we hired a, a local guide to take us around and we were asking him all about Cuban culture. And he said, you know, a lot of, he's like this one girl, one time she asked me like, how do you live without the internet? Which first of all, I was like, that's so rude (laughs) to ask somebody like, that's like, that's like, Oh, let me just go to like, and be like, Oh my God, like, how do you live without like, Oh my gosh, stop. Um, So I was like, first of all, I felt really upset that she, that whoever that was asked Uh that. And he answered, he said, you know what it is? which is it's a strange answer, but he goes, it's kind of like, how do you know what heaven is when you've never been there? How do you know what that's like if you've never been there? Mm. And well, I thought it was a funny parallel. To, mm-hmm. I, I want to be like, well, well, these are like, heaven is not the internet. I can tell right. you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might be hell actually. But I thought that it's kind of like happiness. It's like, how do you know what yeah. happiness is if you've never been there? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and I think you school at least brought to light, like, Hey, like, are you, are you living the things that you believe? Like, are you in a job that matters? Are you in a relationship that's good for you? Mm. And I think it really forced me to, 
it forced me to face those things head on. And I never did before. I was just kind of like, I was just kind of asleep. Like, Mm -hmm. I think, I think one thing I learned was about me is that my default is to just pick the first option that comes along (laughs) with most things. Yeah. Like the army recruiter. I was like, Oh, I'm not even going to look at other services. Like (laughs) this is the one let's do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to date around. I like mm-hmm. this girl. Cool. Go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think even with my job, like, oh, well, I have this skill I learned in the army and I ha- and it's going to pay me well when I get out. Cool. Let's go. And I never really stopped to examine like, like, yes, this will pay the bills. It will like survival. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can do that. But then like finding a deeper meaning in my life and happiness was never even a question I asked. Mm-hmm. So I think that it helped me. I think useful will help me like kind of go a little bit more like expect a little more out of your life. Like, you know, so you're now a useful guide, which for people don't know, we have guides. We have people that have been through the program and have had a profound um, experience going through it and now want to be someone that brings this program to other people in the world. And um, so you're, you're a guide. You're living in Florida. Uh, the headquarters yep. use school San Diego. Um, first, wh- why why be a use school guide? How did that happen? And then, what are you hoping? What are you hoping for? Well, for one thing, so just for background, like I did leave that relationship. I did quit mm-hmm. my job. Mm-hmm. Use school didn't just bring up the things that weren't working for me. I addressed them, as mm-hmm. difficult as it was, and I think. I think that um, I really want to help other people see what I saw. Like I want to help other people like go through that experience like I did, especially veterans. Um, I think that veterans have, they have a different struggle than maybe other populations. I'm not going to say it's harder. It's not, it's not easy to compare, but I think being a veteran and helping other veterans through a program like this, I mean, it has absolutely transformed my life. Mm-hmm. That, that That's why I want to do this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Can I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Um, the last question, by the way, you were just full of really good one-line quotes. Just as, oh, yeah? As a, as a human gift. You've got <laughs> um, so the last question, this is kind of a fun question. You, uh, you, you were kind of a superstar a couple of days ago. Can you tell people about that? <laughs> people well, I saw don't feel you like a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really strange. Um, I was invited to the SVs uh, <laughs> to support uh, the CEO of Team Rubicon, Jake Wood, receive the Pat Tillman Award. Um, which was incredibly deserving mm-hmm. um, just for his work in Team Rubicon. And what I really liked about what he had to say was that it wasn't, you know, just like he would, it wasn't about him. It was about all the volunteers that are kind of changing, changing how we treat each other in our communities and yeah. helping people in need, which I, I mean, I was very honored. I, I didn't, I didn't expect him to say my name on TV. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> that was kind of unusual. Yeah. Um, Going to the SVs was completely surreal. Um, I did not feel, like I said, too, it's like kind of, I still have that guilt, that little bit of like, 
I don't really deserve this. Like I, I have all my limbs. I didn't have a traumatic brain injury. I did not lose my friends. Um, what am I doing here? Even, I think that even translates sometimes within team Rubicon. I'm like, man, I didn't go to Houston. Mm. You know, I saw people in team Rubicon on boats helping people who were flooded out. And I was just like, I was working, you know, what was I doing? Why didn't I go? Um, but I think when you're asked to do something like that, it was for a reason. Mm -hmm. So I felt fortunate enough that I was invited and I have done things in team Rubicon that I'm, I'm, I think what, what made it easiest to leave my job was that I felt like, I felt like the things I had done in Team Rubicon gave my life more meaning than anything I did in my job. Hmm. <laughs> and wow. it was easy to leave PR because, I'm sorry, it was easy to leave uh, my job because it wasn't adding any, adding any value to my life. It was paying the bills and then I thought, who cares, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then I fell in love and she moved out of DC and I was like, what am I doing here? There's hmm. nothing for me here. Like my job isn't fulfilling. Team Rubicon is everywhere. That's not going yeah. anywhere. Right. So it's easy for me to, to quit. <laughs> yeah. It was so easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, the essays was surreal and I've had moments with team Rubicon that I get recognized for things and I don't understand why, but obviously <laughs> other people see something there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why would I read? And I am happy now. And it's like, why would I reject things? Because I don't think I deserve them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be silly. <laughs> well, what I hear in your story, it's um, a lot of uh, humility, a lot of gratitude, um, a lot of just surrendering to the moment and, and trying to be present. And, um, and I'm excited. Uh, we, USCO, are so excited to have you as a part of the team and, and excited to see uh, what the next chapter for you looks like specifically, but also for the expansion of this program for, uh, for veterans, for athletes, for students. Um, so thank you. Thanks for being a part of this, the podcast and, and the well, thank and thank uh, you. I mean, it's, it's great to have a, to have a job now where I, I do feel like it's meaningful. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> where right. It does align to what I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, um, so for all you veterans out there, we, we also want to specifically highlight to check out team Rubicon and um, join the ranks as a volunteers. They call them gray shirts. Uh, so go to teamrubiconusa.com.org. You'll find it, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, so thanks, Danny, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the U-School podcast. We want you to know about our brand new LifeScript course. Our flagship program that we offer is now available in a digital environment on our website. The course is designed to help anyone who is in a period of life transition to reflect on the big questions that matter the most. Questions like, who am I? What's my story? What do I believe in? What kind of person do I want to become? What's my mission in life? How can I best contribute? And who do I belong to? The digital course has been designed to be intuitive and deeply human. You will recruit your own team of life advisors to track with you the entire time you engage in self-reflection, giving you the feedback and support you need to write a great story for the next chapter. Just go to theuschool.com and if you sign up, use the promo code PODCAST10 to get $10 off the list price. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T and the number 10. Remember, you only get one life. Make sure your life reads like a great story.